Hello and welcome to All His Movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is episode 9, Eagle Eye, from 2008. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this is a movie that I must have watched a bunch when it came out, because I remember so much of this, and I have not seen it in the last, I don't know, five or six years. I don't remember the last time I saw this movie, but with some reservations, I really like this movie. I've never seen this movie in its entirety. I've seen bits and pieces out of order and it was kind of fun to watch it this time and see where everything fell into place. I say it's entertaining but I had a couple problems with it that yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to recommend it at the end of the day. So, I mean, it's a movie that I really like, because I think it's well-made. I don't think it's necessarily smart. There's a couple major things that I want to point out in a little bit that why, like, this movie sort of shouldn't work or doesn't work or whatever. I think it's a pretty well-made, big-budget thriller. I think that it's fun. It sort of reminds me of The Adjustment Bureau. It's kind of forgettable, but it's just fun. Like, there's always, like, you know, there's two guys, there's two people who have to go do something, and they're just like, it's basically non-stop. Like, it's a non-stop chase movie. I think the pace is really good, and it's really entertaining. The two the two points that I have, the two things of the movie, is that, number one, it wouldn't work other than, like, the plot convenience that Shia LaBeouf is a twin. Yes. And number two, I have no idea why Michelle Monaghan has to be in the Capitol building at the end of the movie. There's no reason for her to be there. Mm. Yeah. Like, if you're able to put those things aside <laughs> and not, like, think too critically about why the things that are happening are actually happening, I think the movie's a lot of fun. I think I kind of got lost at times in this movie and was having fun, and then when the plot stuff came up and they, it tried to explain itself is when it would lose me again. I agree. It is very much, like, at least that first hour or so, very nonstop chase film in a lot of ways and very action-packed. I agree that there's, like, just these crazy plot twists and turns that just didn't make sense for me in regard to the whole overall idea that we should say this computer program is pretty much forcing Shia and Michelle Monaghan to do stuff for it and we're not really sure at first even if it is a computer program we find that out at the halfway mark and then we're not even sure what the hell the computer program is doing up until the very end and it just felt like kind of if, if we had a little if it was a little less of a mystery and we knew more what was going on I think it would have played a little better for me but because we're kept in the dark for so long and the revelation scenes are kind of not the greatest for me those things kind of trip it up a little bit but I will say like yeah if all you care about is like awesome action and you don't really want to pay attention to like intricacies of the plot and stuff like yeah go for this one <laughs> much 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 better than Transformers I'll tell you that much what's nice about this movie in terms of the marathon when Shia was watching it is, is this movie started at 8:40 a.m. on like the second morning or you know the first morning after the day he started and it comes right after Transformers 2 so after you're sort of lulled to sleep with the monotonous action I think that this because really from the beginning things are just going crazy there's car crashes and like Shia doesn't stop running all propelled by Julianne Moore who goes uncredited for some reason Oh, as the, the voice? voice of Arya, yeah, she's oh, she's the voice. Okay. Oh, I was hoping for Gladys at some point, but I guess Half-Life <laughs> came a little later. She's basically kind of Morpheus, a little bit. Like, he's kind of Neo, yes. and she's kind of Morpheus, <laughs> and she's just like, okay, this is how you're going to escape. He sort of doesn't listen to her, and he gets caught. We talked about, I think recently, I don't remember what podcast this is on, we just talked about Sharknado 4. In a way that that movie is like just ripping scenes and lines from other movies and being like, look how clever we are, this is sort of doing the same thing but in a way to me that isn't as offensive, mm -hmm. stealing that from the Matrix, they walk through those like fields with the electrical wires. That's basically, for my money, like the same the same fields that Seven was shot in. 
Yeah. There's, a, there's a couple different things. I mean, the whole mm. Aria thing is basically Minority Report. There's so many different movies that this is sort of stealing a little bit of things from, but I don't know why. Maybe just because I have in the back of my mind that's a nostalgia for this movie, but it doesn't bother me in a way that, like, a really terrible version of this homage, like Sharknado 4, does. You know, it's, it's <laughs> not... I don't think it's offensive. I think, if anything, it's sort of loving. It's doing it in a way that's, like, well done. I'm not sure if it's necessarily a good thing that it's, like, we're stealing all these other things from other movies, or instead of coming up with its own things or own way of doing things, but I did like being able, like, oh, that's like this thing. Yeah, I think the point, because I did notice that, I was like, oh, that's from this, this is from that, and I'm like, yeah, it's integrated really well into this movie overall, but the one point where I kind of threw up my arms is when we finally see the Arya robot, which is codenamed Eagle Eye, and it's basically Hal on, like, a jib arm, (laughs) like, going around its giant nest or whatever and at that point i was just like god man that's like that's just like so uninspired for me at this point i was like i don't know if i could go that far with it what i really like about the how nature of it i mean and this is like in a not a sarcastic sense but not in a serious sense is that it seems like the like the way that you beat apparently the way the way that you beat aria is just to shove a pipe in its face yeah like i know that <laughs> that's not actually like destroying it but it sort of destroys the external version of it and it's just right. like because it's harassing rosario, rosario darson and a real yeah. young anthony mackie like years before he's gonna be falcon it's just mm-hmm. harassing them and you know knocking them off and doing all this different like he literally knocks him off this like catwalk into water and he hits his legs which i feel is probably from, like, I don't know, other movies, too. Rosario Dawson just jams a pipe in its eye, and it just shuts down. And, like, I'm sure that the actual, like, computer machinations are still running in the background, but it's funny how just, like, oh, that's all it took. Just, like, you know, jam a stick in its face, and it's dead. Yeah, I did notice that, too. At first, they did try to, like, pull its memory banks, and then it was, like, uploading to some satellites. So, right, the last-ditch effort was to jab it in the eye with something sharp, but that's what ended up actually conquering the computer after (laughs) all. I I guess where it kind of pushed me a little too far is... Overall, this movie does sort of try to pound home the point of private security and giving up your securities and no more privacy, right? Like prying into everyday life. You, you, you know, every single device you have, Eagle Eye can see through, hear through. You know, you're going to put a glass of water on the table and it's going to hear the vibrations, you know, in the <laughs> room, for Christ's sake. Uh, so I think at points, like, it did actually take itself a little too seriously for me, even though it felt like it was trying not to, but all that message stuff at times did get in the way for me because there's this overarching plot, you know, to begin with is a military installation thing, right? Like, in the beginning, this bombing of a terrorist goes wrong, and Michael Chiklis doesn't want to make the call, but, like, Eagle Eye apparently, what, kills Shia's twin brother to take over the government, and it's craziness. Like, that whole thing was like, wow, like, I just wish it was, like, some hacker trying to get back at the government, almost. You know, I just wish, like, the whole Eagle Eye thing maybe was a little more small scale because we have all of this fun stuff going on. I feel like this stuff kind of bogs me down a little bit. Well, what I think is weird about the plot of, like, the reason that Michael Chiklis is sort of chosen to, to, to follow in the, like, or to, like, to set the order of the new world is because it agrees. No, I think the thing is that, like, it wasn't Eagle Eye that killed the brother. Arya wanted to, like, they said that there was too much of a risk, that it wasn't worth taking the strike, but they overrode it. And so, like, the president and all of his advisors decided to go ahead with the bombing. Whatever. I don't know exactly what. I think. Okay. I thought, because that's what confused me, because I thought that Eagle Eye kills Shia's brother, but then needs Shia to enact the facial recognition program so that it can do guillotine. I think it was separate, because I feel like 
Arya was sort of getting crazy or sort of becoming a little... I don't... Okay. I, <laughs> I The more you think about this movie, the less sense it makes, but that's fine. So I think... So the, the movie begins and they're, they're... Okay, hold on. Let me take a step back. So this movie comes out at a time at the end of George W. Bush's second term. You know, it's written and made and released in 2007, 2008. It's also the time, I think, when smartphones are becoming really big, when, like, the smart home revolution, the Internet of Things is sort of beginning... And so I feel like there's a lot of, it's like a perfect storm of a lot of different fears. It's like fears of terrorism, fears of domestic terrorism, the Patriot Act, the like smartphones and like, you know, AI and what AI could do, mm-hmm. all this different stuff. And so it's like, it's tapping into all those fears, which is why it still works, I think, today, but also feels dated because things of other things, like so many other things have done this and done it better and modernize it and contemporized it you know as you tweeted comparing this in like a post snowden world it's it's almost like nothing like it's such a weird mm-hmm. like we're just living in a different world yeah that could be a major part of it also it's dated in, you know it's it's these people who were sort of forecasting what we're living in now and they just like kind of got it wrong because there are no you know government supercomputers taking over the country it was actual human beings behind <laughs> the screens the whole time and stuff you know so like the real life eagle eye would just be like a warehouse full of nerds like typing on computers it wouldn't be like this awesome orb eye floating around you know the basement of the pentagon for Christ's sakes like what was that about like if you build an eagle eye you put it in the mountains somewhere you know you don't put it in the middle of the freaking Washington, D.C. Like, that was crazy, right? <laughs> Do you hide Eagle Eye under the Pentagon? No, you don't. I don't know. I, I, I really, really don't know. Like 38 floors down. 30, 36 floors. We don't have a 36th floor. Yes, you do. Get your supervisor. All right. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton, I think, is a pretty good sort of yes. good guy, bad guy, like good cop and bad cop at once. I think he works really mm-hmm. well in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a note that like he plays what the hell's going on really, really well. Uh, yeah. It's nice to see him sort of figuring out the, the next step. I, I kind of got a Tommy Lee Jones vibe out of The Fugitive off of him yeah. at, at a point, you know? Kind of. And when he went, yeah, I was kind of sad for that character. Where he sacrificed himself for Shia by crashing into a drone underneath a bridge. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Cool way to die. <laughs> so in terms of the plot, what I think happened... And I also read the Wikipedia, and I think this is what the Wikipedia said. They wanted to perform like a drone strike on this terrorist, like this, like a, ce- a cell in Iran or something, or Iraq. Arya says there's like a 51% chance that this is not the good target, so that's more than half, and she recommends that they abort the mission. Michael Chiklis agrees with her, but the president and his advisors say it's a high enough chance that we're going to do it anyway, and she gets pissed off about that. But we don't know it's her yet, right? We, we're not aware that the computer's calling the shots. In the no, we just think beginning. it's like Julianne Moore, whoever, in like a bunker somewhere with Intel, I think. Okay. I think. Or I don't even think we get any sense. It's just like stats on a screen. We don't even hear her or anything. So that's what was kind of confusing to me. Okay. So then I think because Arya gets pissed off at the president and his line of successors, everybody in that room except for Michael Chiklis, back in the Pentagon, in the basement of the Pentagon, the 36 floors below, she enacts Project Guillotine, which is using this clause of the Patriot Act, where it says that, you know, in the be- in the best interest of the country, no matter what happens, we can even take out the president, or what- whatever babble nonsense it is, she's going to blow up the entire line of succession except for Michael Chiklis, which is the same plot as Designated Survivor, which yes, is that new yes. series with Kiefer Sutherland on Fox or whatever, which, you know, maybe is canceled by the time this comes out. Who knows? Although it'll probably run it'll probably run for a while. But anyway, she gets pissed off about that in the next Project Guillotine, in which case 
other Shia, Shia number two, the one who dies, is like, whoa, 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 you can't do this. And he films himself talking to Arya, puts the memory card up by the fire extinguisher, and then Arya kills him. Okay. I don't think he wasn't killed in the strike. He's overseeing Arya, right? Yeah, no, I thought he was the guy, I thought they crashed into him with like a garbage truck or something, and she, remember they show the footage, but then I guess the real footage, I don't, I don't remember exactly how Shia number one died, I was just, I knew that the eagle eye killed it, though, but I didn't know why. One other thing, though, is like, her whole thing was just to get Shia number two into the Pentagon to read his face, right? Like, that's basically... To, to read his face and then to say the, the like, the vocal, to, rec- or the, the vocal recognition yeah. to, to enact the thing. So the whole movie, I was like... Like, she could have been way more covert about all of this. It just seems like she drew all this unnecessary attention to Shia by setting him up to be a terrorist in the first place. Like, I understand his whole thing as a character is he needs to be motivated more to do things because yeah. he dropped out of Stanford and works at Copy Shack. Eagle Eye takes that way too far and, like, sets him up to be a terrorist on the run. I think, you know, if it was just like, we've kidnapped your parents, go to the Pentagon and do this and that and the other thing, you know, it's just really funny how the AI doesn't really understand you know, like how a human might do something more sneaky. It doesn't really know how to be sneaky at all or anything. The last thing I just want to say about the whole brother thing, would the brother's facial recognitions match? I don't know if the voice would match either. I don't know. I feel like they're probably close. But the eye retina... You have to be like identical, like identical, like exactly the same. I don't know. I feel like that's also, I don't know, maybe Arya's hacking. But also, like, if Arya has control over all these computer systems, couldn't it just hack the eye retina? <laughs> yeah, why couldn't it hack the facial recognition thing and change all that? I mean, that's the other thing about this movie that I was nitpick about along the way is too many times for me, her powers aren't really clearly defined, but, you know, she could kind of do whatever she needs to do whatever the scene needs for her to do so when the cops are chasing them in the car at one point one of the several cool kind of car chases in this movie like Arya could take over Shia's car but it can't stop the other cop cars from chasing him and you know those I would think would be a lot easier for her to control maybe being part of some kind of government you know network of some kind (laughs) that she'd have access to but things like that kept popping up for me like the little inconsistencies with her powers at times well this is definitely a movie where you have to shut your brain off I mean maybe because I'd seen it before and I wasn't like thinking critically about it and I was just trying to enjoy it because I think it is fun like this is definitely from the very beginning when he's playing the poker game with Jerry Ferrara and that other guy (laughs) I think it's definitely more fun than like the Transformers movies and so he seems like he's enjoying himself more the writers and there's like four writers on this movie and like yeah. none of them have ever written anything else of note and i think he's worked with the director before he'll do disturbia right the director did disturbia and then weird timing when we we're recording this the director oh, yeah. is rec- or just directed uh the disappointments room which is coming out this weekend as we we're recording this so it was weird to see like oh like he, he only has like eight things that he's directed and the one is a movie that's coming yeah. out tonight but yeah the director is gonna work with shy again i think on the next movie maybe no not the next movie but not too far like the next year i think disturbia 2007 Soon. yeah and i did pick up in this like right off the bat i uh this shia like the chemistry with everybody in the like he's sort of like running the show i mean he's really carries this entire movie from the start and kind of seems effortless you know he almost feels like a seasoned vet at this point i want to say even though he's like still extremely young it's just interesting to see how much command of the screen he had right like right from the start of the movie 
movie. What is interesting, maybe, in terms of the timing of this week as we're recording this, this is a DreamWorks movie, and we just read that article that, what was it, the Variety profile, or the Vanity Fair mm-hmm. profile of Shia, and he said that he the only Steven Spielberg movie, I mean, Spielberg, I guess, only probably produced this, right? Because DreamWorks is Spielberg, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only movie that he ever made with Spielberg that he liked is the first Transformers, so I don't know if he's lumping this in with that. It's just weird, because that profile is amazing, and we get so much insight into who Shia is and, like, the things he likes and sort of, you know, what we've been talking about, what we've expected and what we sort of had in mind, but we also get, like, some new stuff about how he was originally offered a role in Suicide Squad and how this thing and that thing, and so every time I see DreamWorks now associated with a Shia movie, I know that somewhere in Shia's brain he doesn't like it. It's weird because this is after Transformers 1, so I wonder if this was the movie that sort of opened his eyes wider and made him feel more fatigued and stuff, because this definitely feels like one of those movies where, like he says in the interview, you know, the shadow of this will be 37 seconds, run eight steps, say your line, jump over there, cut, you know, like just this sort of mechanical factory line type of filmmaking that eventually he wanted to leave behind and stuff. And this feels like that kind of movie, but it also feels like he can handle it too at the same time. Like never do I feel like he's not present or walking through it. Like everybody actually feels and seems like they want to be here. Unfortunately, I wish Michelle Moynihan had more purpose. She just is kind of there. It's a female lead for a movie. Like there's yeah, well, there's no purpose for her in the story. It's just a purpose for her in the movie, which is to have some kind of like romantic subplot and just the female lead. Yeah, but Billy Bob is great in this. He seems to know exactly what film he's making. Like, he, he he probably read the script and was like, this is crap. Like, I'll just, you know, I'll just stick to my thing and do my thing and do it the best I can. And, and this is another one of those instances. Maybe in the opening, I was too harsh. Like, I don't know if I wouldn't recommend this. You know, I, I would just say, like, know what you're getting into before you watch it. I, I think, um, what's her name? Night Nurse, Rosario Dawson. <laughs> She's really good in this. And, like, she gets to kick a lot of ass and do some detective work and go off on her own thing. But, again, unfortunately, I just feel like it's over jammed a little bit like it could be tweaked maybe one less rewrite perhaps you know i don't know whether or not shy enjoyed making this movie and i think that they probably could have used with a few less rewrites and sort of a few like streamlining things maybe a little bit but I read that Shia and Michelle Monaghan both did about 80% of their stunts. So I feel like this might not have been one of those micromanaged Spielberg things. So I feel like on a Spielberg set, you're not going to let your stars, and this is just me guessing, you're not going to let your stars do that many. Because there's some crazy stuff that they do in this movie in terms of like car stuff and like running away from explosions and crawling into crates on airplanes and like all sorts of like weird things. And apparently they did most of it. So I would imagine that he's the type of guy who enjoys doing stunts. Like, I feel like he doesn't want to sit things out. So I feel like he probably, even if he doesn't love the movie, I feel like he probably enjoyed making the movie. Yeah, and and he seems like the kind of guy who just wants to bring the realness to stuff, too. You know, like, there's a bit about method acting in that interview where he kind of calls it bullshit for various... I'll let them read the article, but it led me to think, like, he's just, like, this kind of actor who wants to bring his life experiences to things, you know? And I think gain life experience on set doing things like your own stunts, right, help out later on like there's several fight scenes in here and i think by the end when he's beating up the security guard at the pentagon or whatever i was like yeah i bet that really is shia like you know learned the moves did the choreography got down and dirty with a lot of this stuff so that's kind of nice it's kind of funny how we have falcon night nurse and the thing is in this yeah shia was going to be in suicide squad at some point or maybe considered (laughs) at some point we're going to have everybody in every movie is going to be a superhero of some kind i feel like michelle monaghan's probably been like she seems like she's in an x-men movie you know i I know she's 
I don't think she has been, but it just seems like she has been. Oh, one thing one thing about casting this movie is that William Sadler plays his dad, and he's going to play his dad yeah. again in the Battle of Shaker Heights. Oh, and uh, Shia dies in this movie, which is the third time we've seen dead Shia. But not mean Shia. This is just Shia no, number two dies. And, you know, that right off the bat really... I don't like how it had to be Shia's twin. You know, you mentioned it very early on, but that's something like they do that in Avatar. And for some reason, we've been talking about that lately. Avatar is all the premise, like his twin brother trained with the Na'vi thing. And so only his twin brother could possibly make the connection with the Na'vi thing. And here it's like sort of the same thing. Only the twin brother can access the computer program because of his face and stuff. And, you know, I just think it might have been cooler if they could have come up with like a better reason to get Shia to do everything. I don't know that it's necessarily lazy. It's, it's just kind of awkward. There, there's that creepy, weird scene where he goes to his own funeral or his brother's funeral and he's walking in and someone's like, it looks just like him. <laughs> um, but overall, it just was sort of, I don't know, just right off the bat, I, don't, I had like a little knock against this for that. I feel like a lot of the movies we've been watching lately and talking about, not necessarily in all his movies, because I feel like all his movies are either kind of objectively good or objectively bad, except for maybe, maybe Charlie Countryman. But I feel like a lot of the movies we've been talking about lately, or maybe I've just been watching lately, it's sort of like you're either on board with everything or everything's going to bother you. And I feel mm-hmm. like this is one of those movies. Like, if you're able to get into it, I think that you're going to really enjoy it. If you want to find flaws, in, and there are plenty of flaws to be had, I mean, things that we haven't even gotten into, you're not going to be able to get on board. I mean, this movie was released in September. It definitely feels more like a May, like a summer blockbuster yeah. movie. I think I read it was like the first September movie to gross $100 million since, in like, in six years, like since Sweet Home Alabama. It was a hit. I don't know that it necessarily got great ratings. I'll tell you where the movie really sort of took off for me is, at the, I'd say the second half I liked more because they knew what they were dealing with for the most part like halfway through the movie Eagle Eye finally decides like yeah okay I'll tell you what I really am and brings them to like a radio shack or a circuit city or something in the mall and basically just lays it all out like a Bond villain like I'm a computer program I can read your histories I know who you are I've this is what we're doing all of that kind of stuff and so once they knew they were dealing with a robot it all felt just a little better for me at some reason like like I was saying earlier I just I felt like they dragged on the mystery of Gladys for Gladys (laughs) of Ari for too long. Maybe if they had revealed it to the audience a little sooner with the government people, as opposed to the same time as Shia and Michelle Monaghan, you know, they sort of play it out in split screen. Uh, Falcon is introducing Night Nurse to the actual Eagle Eye robot as the Eagle Eye program is explaining itself to Shia and Michelle Monaghan. I wish those were sort of placed apart, you know, that the audience had the reveal before the characters so that I could understand just a piece of the puzzle was in place sooner. It would have just helped me. I don't know why I'm able to sort of justify this movie so well. I just I just don't have problems with it. I mean, I know that, I mean, I have problems with it, but like I don't, like, you're not wrong for nitpicking it at least in terms of the general consensus because it has a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. They call it a preposterously plotted thriller that borrows heavily from other superior films. It's only got a 43% or 43 on Metacritic. It made $101 million domestically and a 178 worldwide total but it cost 80 million so i mean like it it made money but like it wasn't necessarily a huge hit i don't know why i like this movie as much as i do but i do i think that's totally fine like i said like there's a lot to like about this movie and i and uh, like you said earlier like i just think it didn't catch me 
You know, like I just think in the beginning, like you said, you either accept what it's going to be or you kind of don't. And I think I was trying to the whole movie, let it win me over. And then just ultimately it kind of couldn't, but that's fine. You know, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, not every movie has to win you over. I think this is definitely, as you said earlier, like way more enjoyable. And I'm sure you'd rather watch this five times again before you watch like Transformers (laughs) 2 or something. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and like I said, there's good stuff here. I like the idea of the wrong man stuff. You know, there's a lot of sort of they sneak in a lot of Hitchcock and they'll do that I think this director likes likes Hitchcock a lot because we'll see in Disturbia that there's a lot of Hitch going on there but I almost felt like I wanted more of that and less of the crazy action stuff if this was just way toned down to like a real deep thriller with almost no action scenes and maybe just like a foot chase and two fights or something like that maybe a little gunplay I think that's the movie I was kind of not expecting but wanted while I was watching this like I almost feel like the plot and everything would service a movie that's more tame than something this crazy and out of control yeah I I get where you're coming from I feel like we're wrapping up it's sort of a shorter one because it's not it's not a movie like Transformers where there's a lot to pick on and it's not a movie where like there's really sort of deep characters we can really get into because I mean I think Shia does a good job here but it sort of could be anybody I mean he he's Mm -hmm. he's really personable in the beginning when he's with his friends and sort of when he has these like quieter moments with Michelle Monaghan like when they're in the crate and he's showing her with the phones and and he's talking about her kid I think that works really well but when he's just running around like it could basically be anybody it doesn't have to be him I think he works here as an action star but doesn't necessarily need to be him the one thing they want to point out is that for his funeral scene which we just talked about to get himself up emotionally because he does cry over his dead brother he would apparently listen to Judy Garland's Over the Rainbow because he hmm. breaks down when hearing that song. All right. That's not necessarily method acting. That's just sort of, I guess, you know, him getting into character by listening to a sad song or what he thinks is like a really sad song. Interesting. All right. I guess that's what's on his Spotify. He likes <laughs> show tunes. I, I guess I don't really have too much else to go on here either. You know, like, um, you know, just because I couldn't get into this movie doesn't mean like it didn't have like fun at times and I could totally see people enjoying this and I don't want you know what I've been saying to kind of like sway you too far in the direction I you know listen to what Joey's going for you know I think like if you give yourself over to this movie you'll enjoy it right don't sit there and be like that could never happen or that could never happen like some guy gets fried by the electrical wires and they're able to pull a partial print off of one of his fingers like that could never happen you know but who gives shit because like you see some guy get fried by a computer program uh, like an artificial intelligence so uh, you know the more I think about it like it's cool it's fine you know it's kind of just like washes over you one thing I thought was incredibly funny was just how needlessly complex the the aria what aria stood for like the (laughs) autonomous reconnaissance intelligence interrogation analysis what does that even mean? Like, can't you just make it something easy and basic to follow or just call it Eagle Eye? It doesn't need a girl's name just because it has a girl's voice. What's interesting-ish, in, as interesting as what I'm about to say can be, which is not very, the subtitles, because I watch all the movies that I've seen, like all these movies that we do for the podcast, I watch with subtitles to make sure quotes, I write them down, whatever, it doesn't matter. This 
spells Aria like the hotel or like the musical thing or the name yeah. A-R-I-A. But in reality, it's all capital letters. It's an acronym. It's A-R-I-I-A. So even the, the movie's own subtitles don't even know what... Like, it's too complicated for that, so... The only other thing I'd say is, you know, maybe one less action scene and one more scene explaining the experimental explosive device that she stole from some secret bunker in Maryland that we get maybe a minute of exposition about. Like, that, too. I was like, where did those earrings come from again? And then it's like, oh, yeah, like, very loosely threaded through the entire movie is, like, she's controlling other people also to create the explosive device and the detonator to blow up Congress during the State of the Union, right? Like, that's her Mm -hmm. ultimate plan. Yeah. I was also thinking she had no plan B. Like, everything had to go exactly according to plan because she set everything in motion so long ago. It was like her one shot to do everything. So she really kind of screwed up without having any contingency. That that backup to the satellite, she should have done that before she decided to take over America. Yep. Probably. You know, I'm going to back myself up before this kamikaze mission. (laughs) The only other thing I have in the notes that I want to mention about this movie is that sort of like we talked about with Wall Street, he was talking to, Shia was talking to brokers and traders about what they do and everything. Apparently for this movie, they brought on, if it was a director or Spielberg or whatever, they brought on people from the FBI on set, like FBI agents. Mm-hmm. And they were explaining that one in five phone calls is recorded, I guess, as part of the Patriot Act or whatever. To prove that point, they played a call that Shia had made two years earlier, which seems kind of weird and kind of funny and cool, but also like some weird invasion mm. of privacy. So just yeah, like, hey, remember this, remember this uh, phone call you made two years ago? Well, uh, mm, here we go. That's scary. I thought you were going to say he spent time working at a coffee shop for, for an afternoon. <laughs> he seems so natural when he told that guy to swipe his credit card the other direction to get it to unlock. One thing I think that should have happened that they should have stolen from another movie is that when Michelle Monaghan pulls the gun on Shia that Arya makes her pull the gun on him and she's like, kill him, kill him. And Michelle Monaghan's like, no, I really thought for a second, not remembering how the, the movie ended, that they were going to pull a fight club and just sort of shoot him through the cheek mm. and that Arya was going to think that he was dead, but he's not actually dead. But then she just doesn't shoot him. And then they're like, she's like, oh, we'll be taken out of their means. Yeah. What was that? Like, they just cut away and then she's running down the hallway and the government's going to come shoot Shia anyway. So never mind. Just go do your thing. I do like how in, in movies, every time that like somebody needs to recognize Morse code, they recognize Morse code immediately. Like, <laughs> is he doing Morse code? Like, what is he saying? And then the guy's just like, and always, what's funny is that like on repeating patterns, it always starts with like, the right letter. You know what I mean? Like, they're always like, okay, F-I-R-E. Like, I guess he's mm. taking a break in between, but like, they're not just writing down the letters they hear, <laughs> they'll always start at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, one thing I love too is how Chicklis says, or Anthony Mackie says, or one of those guys say at some point, they go, speaking about Eagle Eye, Aria, they're like, She's still beta testing. I was like, what? You do not beta test this thing. You don't just let it loose on the American public, you wackos. Like, oh, what were they thinking? I have another big question. This this podcast might get longer and longer as the more questions I remember from my notes. <laughs> Aria has them pull over, and there's basic, there's an armored truck. Oh. <laughs> and Aria says, in 20 seconds, two men with guns are going to walk out that door with a briefcase. You need to take it from them and get away with it. She locks down the armored car with the guy in it, opens up the back so they're able to get out shotguns. They get away. Weird scene, but like funny scene later when Billy Bob Thornton's like recreating and just like mm-hmm. pointing a loaded shotgun, like cocked and loaded shotgun at these yeah. guys. 
I love Billy Bob Thornton in this movie. They get this suitcase when they're on a train or whatever getting away, whatever vehicle they are in. Because this is basically planes, trains, and automobiles. Like they, you know, <laughs> they're doing everything that they need to do to get to Washington D.C. He like flips open this like panel and it's a countdown clock. They both know immediately. They think it's a bomb. And then he's like, well, you know, other things like micro, like microwave or and like bomb. And he's like, well, it could be a coffee maker. And I just love how Michelle Monaghan's just like, yeah, Jerry, it's a coffee maker. Like, yeah. I love in movies when people make fun, like, just because like, they're both stressed out, but like, it's just like, she still mm-hmm. can't like let that like, yeah, idiot. Like, that's exactly what it is. So my bigger question is that eventually, like four and a half hours pass, that the uh-huh. countdown clock has four and a half hours, and they get on the back of this military cargo plane, mm-hmm. which I thought they were at a train station, but they were at an airport, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, they take the Asian tour to the airport. But then the briefcase countdown clock hits zero, and it unlocks. So that was all I was counting down to. But inside are two sort of like injection guns with yeah. these serums that are going to lower your heart rate and sort of calm you down. Which means to me that somehow Arya got those things. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's where what were I'm those saying. Where were those on the way to, if Arya didn't go crazy, who was using those and who was transporting those? I mean, I guess like the, the movie's way of justifying it is by saying, oh, we never know what we're carrying. It could be the bubonic plague or it could be grandpa's Viagra pills. Like, we don't know what we're carrying. Which, okay, fine, sure. Maybe you're just carrying weird injection things. But, like, who is getting those in that specific container with an armed guard? That's what I'm saying where not only is it crazy, but she has no plan B because they literally open that as the cargo plane's taking off. And she's like, you have 20 seconds to inject yourself or else the unpressurized cabin is going to kill you. You'll suffocate. So that means wherever she got these things from, they had to get on that cargo plane. Like, why couldn't they just go to like some quiet airport and charter a biplane and fly (laughs) a couple countries across you know like it just seems like the ai has no idea how to be discreet or doesn't want to be i mean i would think you'd want to be very discreet but instead it's like no steal this highly experimental drug from these armed guards and go through airport security and i'll change the scanner and you know sneak through all of the luggage sorting underbelly guts of the airport right like that <laughs> that is preposterous like there's no way that's what it looks like in the real airport is all i kept the, the luggage handling stuff like that is so (laughs) that means that she needed them to go down into the do that to get to the cargo like it's just preposterous well i feel like that's the that's that's why it's the beta version like she doesn't she doesn't have like the streamline (laughs) a to b to c like we need to get you because where they start they start in chicago and they need to get to washington dc so that's like a 10-hour car ride just take a train right why is it so complex instead she fills an entire apartment full of you know bomb making materials to make them look like a terrorist (laughs) Before you continue, I want to sort of refute, I feel like the terrorist thing, because you said earlier, they could have just kidnapped his parents or, you know, whatever, but like, he's not on good terms with his dad. He's yeah. like, he doesn't seem close. But, like, I mean, I understand that he would probably do things for them, but like, they, she needs to go like all out because really she doesn't care about him. She doesn't care if he lives or dies. He's a pawn in yes. getting her whatever. So like, I think that it's okay. Like, I don't have a problem with her going to extreme measures and delivering, you know, what do they say, like, 13 huge containers full of, like, fertilizer and stuff? Just, like, whatever. Like, and I'm, guns, okay, I'm yeah. okay with that weirdness. 
but but here's the thing though she does need him alive she needs his face i mean she could have michelle monaghan just arrive with his head in at the pentagon i suppose to scan it but he also needs to talk that's what's so crazy to me is like she's putting him in so much peril but she needs him alive like talk about not morpheus think about this escape from the police station it's not this little like hide and seek thing like morpheus would do where he's like duck now go now (laughs) turn left instead she freaking plows a giant crane into the side of the building and destroys the police station so shia like jumps out of a building onto like a train platform almost gets hit by the train has to like roll off just in time it's insane like you need him alive that's all i'm thinking i like how in this movie like when you know like cranes are flying through buildings or whatever and billy bob thornton at least for the first hour is always like one step behind i feel like in this movie he sort of like makes a joke about it at the end but he's just like i want to know how these cranes operate, who controls them, whatever. I feel like what we don't see, like what, what what's happening off screen, is that he's going to like the next place where they are, and he finally gets word like, oh, like he's but like they, he finally gets word about like how the last one happened. He's like, okay, cool, like like I don't need that anymore. Like now I need this thing, and so like <laughs> yeah. at the very end of the movie, that guy comes up to him and is just like, we've got big problems, and he says, what's the line? You couldn't have picked a worse time to be of some goddamn use. So it feels like this guy has just been no help to Billy Bob Thornton for, you know, the whole day or whatever, and then finally catches up, he's like, okay. And then, like, the thing he finally, like, delivers is like, oh, now it's, like, worse than we ever thought. (laughs) It's just like, like, you couldn't have been, like, with me, like, and, like, sort of headed them off at the scene, like, you know, we could have known where the train was going, or whatever. Like, now you, like, tell me that, like, oh, now there's just going to be crystals that take out a football field in like there's two of them in the capitol building like thanks guy yeah you know it's funny that he actually has more cooperation with rosario dawson and they're from different bureaus and it's one of the first times that we've seen in a movie in a long time where like there's this cross bureau working together like instead of getting each other's way at times i mean they still want you know billy bob still wants to like head everything but at some point they do sort of help each other out as i thought that was interesting at least yeah ethan embry who plays billy bob's partner who's just like getting berated the whole movie and finally does like come up with this intel and billy bob's like you idiot like it's even worse than we expected great like no good news all day long for him. There was a pretty fun dynamic with the cops in this movie. I like this movie. I like I like talking about this movie. Like any other notes? I think I went through all the notes. I want to double check because I feel like everything I keep finding in my notes is just like things that are amazing to ask about. Because <laughs> the only thing I saw was um, early on when they're playing poker. He mentions the turtle. Like, what are you gonna do? Go rent a flick from Blockbuster? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, like Blockbuster will live on in film history. And I also do like how Shy is like, you know, you gotta take your girl somewhere nice like red lobster olive garden like i don't know how old they're <laughs> supposed to be in this movie maybe just out of high school or maybe still like, i don't know they, they, they're supposed to be young well, they gotta be kind of old because he he's dropped out of stanford for two years now which means he's, he's probably he's like 20, be at least 21. 21 yeah yeah his brother is like hot shit in the military you know he's got like a cover story he's got like a fake job and then he's got his real job which is guarding eagle eye which is you know it seems like every part of the military like air force navy you know army they all have one guy who they post at eagle eye to watch and make sure no one screws with it he was posted there so he's got to be pretty elite for whatever and i don't know maybe he's just 
like a fast learner. No, he was a fast learner. Don't they show that? Because he's like your brother oh, right. took his first step. Your brother took his first step before he was twelve <laughs> months old. It took you to eighteen months, and just like oh, but, like I wrote down that I deleted the note because I didn't think we we're gonna get to it. But like now, Arya is like shit talking how like sm- how dumb of a baby he was. Like yeah. like okay, Arya, like we get it, we get it. Like you can back off. Yeah, when all else fails, like if the computers do take over at some point, at least I'll take solace in the fact that I could still give them the finger while they're murderizing me. How about I give you the finger and you give me my phone call? Hey, there you go. So for all things, all his movies, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub, see the ones we've done next, see what's coming up next. The next movie we're doing is New York, I Love You. So I saw that a couple years ago. It's not as good as Parisia Tem, but I don't remember anything about it. So it'll be basically a fresh watch. So come back tomorrow to listen to New York, I Love You, and then two days for the best Indiana Jones movie of all time, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> I say that sarcastically, but I don't remember anything about that except for the refrigerator scene. Uh, So I am going to actually be legitimately excited to watch this movie again. Nuke the fridge. Nuke the fridge. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies.